0: My local coffee shop is my Penn State World Campus Classroom, giving me the full Penn State experience online. My Penn State Classroom is getting me to where I want to be. Click on the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. With Metro and the best deal in wireless, whatever your goal, however you hustle, you can rule your day. Get two lines with 5G access included for just $35 a month per line. Period. With taxes and regulatory fees always included. So you know exactly how much you pay every month. All on America's largest 5G network at no extra charge. Plus, at Metro, get the latest 5G phones, like a Samsung Galaxy for less than 100 bucks when you switch. That's the best deal in wireless. So you can take control of your day wherever it takes you. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. Requires auto pay. First month is $40 per line for two lines. Samsung A51 requires port from eligible carrier and ID validation limited to two per account. Coverage not available in some areas. See Metro by T-Mobile.com or store for details.
1: Welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. My name is Stephen Joderand. Joining me, as always, are Monka and Jake Watroba. On today's episode, we speak with U.S. men's national team and Malmo midfielder Roman Gall. We talk to him about the journey that led him to the biggest club in Sweden. Now, before we get to the interview, go ahead and follow us on the Twitter machine at Uncle Sam Soccer Pod. If you haven't hit that subscribe button, wherever that may be, go ahead and do that as well and leave us that five-star rating. Now, let's get to today's show. righty, fellas, how are we doing today? I'm doing good. What about you, Jake?
2: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Snowed in here up in minnesota but all things considered we're
1: doing all right awesome well let's just jump straight to the interview and just some background for you listeners we recorded this early tuesday morning so before the chelsea europa league uh match and yeah so we might sound very tired because it was very early in the morning but it's a great interview a lot of great discussion a lot of good talking points and yeah let's just get straight to it join us right now is U.S.
3: Men's National Team and Malmo midfielder, Roman Gall. His manager calls him a match winner. He has fantastic quality, he makes his mark in games when a team needs it.
4: Roman, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me.
1: Roman, you've logged some serious air miles, voyaging multiple times over the Atlantic. Um, but let's go back to your early roots. When you made the move to the United States from Paris, France at the age of seven... Where was soccer on your mind?
4: Um, at that time, you know, it still wasn't um, anything serious because I was so young. So, um, you know, I, I think I started really engaging into it seriously when I was about seven when I moved to the U.S. and then I got on an official team. But before that, um, I think it was just messing around and nothing too serious. Roman, well, you, you joined
2: the MLS academies of real salt lake and dc united pretty early on what was what were those experiences like
4: uh they were great experiences because uh, i was playing uh for example dc united i was 14 uh, playing with the under 16s so playing two years up was was obviously a good a good growing process for me and uh it helped me evolve my game uh sooner than than most 14 year olds um you know and then we had a, a great um, MLS uh, Cup tournament, which uh, we ended up winning the whole thing, and then going to Real Salt Lake was also was also great because it was a residency pro- program and I was able to train every day and and be in that you know closest thing to in a European environment. So I think both of those helped me a lot to to be where I am right now.
3: When when you, when you talk about our RSLs Academy, I think a lot of people mention that it's one of the better Academies and MLS, and I think you just mentioned that it was very European. Like, what were the aspects that made it uh, more European, like than, let's say, I don't know, I hate to compare things, but like DC Uniteds. Yeah,
4: I mean, I think um, it was more European,
3: like, because of uh, the
4: residency of it. You know, we we all lived together, we all went to school together, we all trained together every day um so it's more like you're there and you have one thing to focus on which is which is your football and obviously school as well but um it's just more you know more possibilities to do in case we want to do double sessions or you know just be bonded with the group a little more i think i think uh, in that aspect and in Europe they're mostly all like that so that's why
1: roman at 16 you left for france and you're quoted in the in 442 for saying Quote, in France, the level is much higher. The speed of play is much faster. The development starts at a younger age. I think they implement more tactical situations and they have you understanding the game. I know there are some drills that I was doing really young in France that the kids in U.S. won't be doing until they are much older. Do you think your time in MLS academies hindered your growth as a footballer? Um,
4: no, I don't... I don't um it's tough to say because obviously when you go overseas, they've been doing it for a long time, you know, and they have, uh, they have the best of the best and um, but we're just starting off, you know, not every MLS team, for example, has the same type of program. So I think it's just different. Obviously, I think if if I would have been in Europe, just like any other player, you, you definitely, and you're in that residency program, you're, you're definitely going to learn faster and quicker and, 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 you know, learn things better than if you're not in a residency program, you know. So I think it's just uh, the, the different cultures and the developments and uh, how, how the setup is right now.
3: Roman, um, just out of curiosity, why did uh, you decide to go back uh, to France? Um, was that your only option or did you have multiple other options on the table? Why specifically did you decide to go back uh, to play academy in France?
4: Well, I'm French. So I think that was uh, a big thing, you know, to kind of feel at home. And uh, it was a a country that I was familiar with that I had uh, contacts in. So I think for my development, it was, you know, the only um, area we were really pushing for. Obviously, if anything else came along, we would have done it. But I think France was the main priority.
2: And Ramon, after uh, a a stint in France, you decided to come back stateside and join the columbus crew in search of more playing time uh was there any disappointment having to make that move back to america
4: yeah definitely because uh i always wanted to stay in europe uh i i had said it from from very young that i wanted to play in europe and uh so you know when i came back to the mls it wasn't my initial um my initial plan. So, of course, uh, a little bit disappointed to, to not be able to stay in Europe. But then, you know, I had to just focus on what was ahead and, and make the most of it.
1: At that age, when you decided to come back, what was the topic or among footballers? What was the conversation of the image that MLS uh, had?
4: Um, I think it was just uh, being able to fall into the right group that believed in you it was gonna give you your chance. Um obviously we all know that it's a physical league and uh you know there's a lot of of uh of names coming into the league as well. But I think it's just about, you know, hopefully finding the right team and fitting in the system.
3: When you came back uh with, with the Columbus crew, did you uh witness you ever see anything that was like, hey, this is a lot different or maybe not a lot different but a big a difference from when you uh, were playing academy with RSL and DC?
4: Um, I mean, of course, yeah, it was different because that was my first professional team. You know, I was actually with the first team and and things like that. But I think, um, you know, I, w- I wasn't really comparing either one because obviously there's two different things. But, um, you know, the setup for the younger academies were, were about the same. Not, not where we all saw Lake, but with, like, DC United, for example. But um, definitely different just because you're in a more professional environment. Ramon, I want to ask you about
2: uh, Greg Berhalter. Obviously, he was just named uh, manager of the national team. But you had spent some time with him at Columbus Crew. What did you make of your time with, uh,
4: with uh, Greg? Um, I thought he was a, a great coach. You know, I have nothing but good things to say about him. Um, he's helped me a lot on the field, you know, tactically, he's very, very smart. And, um, I believe that, you know, with the short time that I was there, I definitely grew and learned, you know, obviously things didn't work out, but, um, you know, I have respect for him and, and I really have nothing, but good things to say about him.
1: Uh, could you briefly discuss his playing style and what it means for players when they are in a Greg Berhalter system?
4: Yeah. So he's a manager that, that likes to play, you know, he likes to play out of the back. He likes to keep the ball on the ground and, 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 you know, um, break lines and, and beat teams by, by being well positioned and, and always forming these little connections between each player. Um, so I think players enjoy playing under his system because, you know, you're going to touch a lot of the ball, you're going to play good football and you, and everyone's going to have their opportunity to, to shine and to to do what they're good at. He he finds players and and um, and you know makes them better in what they're already good at by also you know tactically giving them awareness and and all that stuff. So I think it's a good system.
3: I, I think one thing that a lot of people mention about Burhalter specifically, as you mentioned, like that that tactical instruction. I think a lot of people. Uh, I know a lot of people who. I think Sebastian Legit was one of them who said, I've never been coached like that, like that detail, um, when he was talking about the games in the January friendlies. Uh, how was it? How Was it really specific, his tactical instructions? Because uh, everyone I see him talk to says he's just an extremely, extremely tactical guy.
4: Yeah, it's definitely specific because his style of play, you have to be or else it doesn't work. So, you know, the details need to be there. And, uh, the focus needs to be there, you know, tactically, everyone needs to be in sync, you know, for the, for the, for the system to work or else it doesn't work. So there's definitely a lot of demands, um, tactically for sure.
2: Well, since, uh, Greg has been hired as the national team coach, have you had any conversations with him about expectations, about what it would take for you to get a call up back into the side?
4: Um, yeah, he gave me a call and, um, you know, we spoke a little bit. He just told me that, uh, you know, I was doing well and, and to keep doing what I was doing and, you know, that m- my time would, would eventually come. And uh, so, you know, it was just it was just a great conversation to, to have and, you know, speak to him again.
1: Mm. So let's move on. You leave MLS and, and you end up in Sweden. What was that experience like again, moving back overseas and playing European football? Um, well, that one was also difficult because I moved back to the third
4: division. So, obviously, I was happy to be back in Europe, but then the conditions I was in was, was also difficult, and being back in third division is not the happiest that you're going to be. But, you know, I knew what I had to do. I, I grinded it out, and, um, you know, I, I was just going to try and keep moving up from there. I told myself that there's only one way to go now, and that's up.
3: What was the biggest adjustment that you had to make, you know, coming, uh, I guess, from America to Swedish football? What was the biggest difference, I guess, or adjustment that you personally had to make?
4: Um, Well, in my first club, since it was uh, in the third league, I think the professionalism was definitely a a big change. You know, it it wasn't like me coming from Columbus, like a professional um, environment. Um, and then style of play, you know, when you're in the third division, it's it's very chaotic. Uh, you know, it's not as much tactical. Um, so, you know, these are just styles that you have to get adjusted to quickly.
2: Vermont, after, uh, so after your stop at, I hope I'm saying this right, Nyko Pings and then Sundsvall, you land with Malmo. Um, did you ever think you would get to this point where you were playing it for a top side in a country like Sweden?
4: um i always I always believed in myself to play for a top side um, in any country um, i didn't know it was going to be Momo, i didn't know it was going to be in Sweden, but you know that's 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 the goal that's how you keep the the faith alive so I always believed in myself to be playing for a top club anywhere in the world so yeah i mean when I, when Momo came and, and was ready to sign me, I was very happy.
1: Do do you feel the uh, the shadow of Zlatan Ibrahimovic at Malmö?
4: No, I don't. Uh, I think he's... <laughs> no, he's done his magic over here, and uh, you know, obviously, everybody respects him. And but no, no shadow.
1: But uh, as far as this current season, you guys are are playing Chelsea in the Europa League. We're not too sure when the interview will drop. But how, how are you feeling so far? How how are things going? I feel great. Um, we
4: played the first leg. Obviously, it was a it was a tough game, but you know we managed to get a two one. So anything's possible on the return leg. Um, um, to be able to play in that game, you know, was obviously a, a night to remember, in my opinion. Even though the result wasn't the best, but um, yeah, I feel great. I think we're going in the right direction. We just won our cup game now, so you know, we, we keep working. It's been a very tough preseason so far and it's going to continue to be so, but, you know, I think we're all in a in a good uh, direction and, and I feel great.
3: You know, a lot of the gripes that a lot of MLS teams have is when they're playing in uh, CONCACAF Champions League matches, they're pre it's, it's their preseason while Liga MX is in season. Is that is that the same thing for you guys when you guys are playing a team like Chelsea who has been playing uh, while you guys, um, you know, are you know just training in preseason is it kind of tough is it a little bit harder
4: yeah it's tough because if you look at it they're already in a dynamic of playing every weekend you know their players are fit you know they're <clears throat> they constantly have games and then we're we just came back from break and uh, we have to pick ourselves back up again and and get those games in our bodies and in our legs and so obviously it's two different points in our seasons but you know, uh, we had a very tough preseason and we, we were prepared very well, in my opinion. So I think it did help us for this game, for sure. But it's it definitely tough because both teams are at different stages in the in the season.
2: Roman, a couple more here before we let you go. I want to talk about your current coach at Malmo. Uh, is it Uwe Rostler? Um, can you talk about how he's helped improve your game?
4: Yeah, he's, um, he's definitely helped uh, improve my game. Uh, as far as uh, you know he brings a lot of motivation and passion to the game so you know that side of things um, you feed off of his energy Um, so he's definitely helped push that side of my game and and also defensively and uh, um, tactically as well because I'm in a new role under him you know I'm playing more as a central midfielder I would say as a number eight so um, tactically I, I needed to to adjust quickly and he's helped me in that and he continues to help me as well so um, yeah I mean I'm learning to improve little stuff in my game every day
1: Roman this is the last question before we let you go you've lived in multiple places you're a dual national where was your favorite place that you've played football at
4: uh, my favorite place to play football uh, I would say I would say I have great memories when I was in France in uh mm. lorient um I think on and off the field, if I had to say, my favorite place to live though is definitely in the u s um that I just feel like that's more home to me um, but yeah I think my 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 great memories were were in France for
1: sure uh oh, well, we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, and a uh, hey, best of, best of luck with the upcoming season. Hope to, to catch up with you sometime midway to, to see how things are going.
4: Sounds good. Thank you guys so much. Take care. I appreciate it. Bye bye.
3: All right, guys, really interesting interview with Roman. Thank you for joining us on the show, Roman. But guys, what do y'all take, what do y'all make of Roman's thoughts? Um, I think especially the most interesting thing for me was the, the academies, the RSL Academy, which he compared to as being very European because of residency program and a lot of the more successful MLS programs to come to mind FC Dallas. And I think the union both have residency programs for their academies and they're the better academy team. So I mean, what what do you make of that whole uh, discussion we had about his time with the MLS academies?
1: I think that's an interesting point. I don't think we get enough insight from players talking about the development. And what you see in, in this case, in this interview is he did his development here early on, then went to France to continue his development. And then he came here to begin his professional career. So you you see a journey that you might see more often than not in the next several years with the way MLS continues to expand in this market that you're sees in America with potential future talent. So uh, I think this is great insight into how MLS functions and in broader terms, how us soccer functions when it comes to how they handle their youth.
2: I, I I will say this um, th- that I thought was interesting. I know st- even thinks this was interesting too, was when uh, Roman mentioned that he was a little disappointed when he had to come back to America to play in MLS after his uh, stint in France. Um, I think that's, I don't know if that's really telling, so to say, but I, I think it's its nice that we have American players now that just don't want to just settle for MLS. It really shows that uh, Roman's hungry and, and, and wanted or at least wants to improve upon, you know, himself as a player on the pitch.
3: Well, I mean, I'm sure, like, if you get a player like, uh, what, Serginio Dest at PSV, if, you know, he's been in the academy in the system, you get a taste that European football. I mean, if you have to come back to MLS, like, hey, like, it is what it is. MLS is not the same level as some European football. I mean, we all know that, and I think everyone who watches MLS and watches other football know that as well. So, I mean, I think of course if you're a player that's developing and you know, or was developing in France, or you know, a team in league 1, or you know, a team even in the Netherlands or in England, you're going to be a bit disappointed and say, hey, I'm dropping down a level to come play in MLS. And I think the situation with Roman is really interesting because the United States isn't his home country. France is. So, a lot of different you know dynamics playing there but i mean i think it's kind of expected at this point but again I, you're right jake it's really refreshing as well that hey look the guy is not happiest you know come to mls and he's just really hungry wants to go back and he bet on himself by going to the third division of
1: sweden so isn't that what you want to hear though i was disappointed to come back to mls or have even starting out in mls then clawing himself to the third division in Sweden, and then to the biggest club in Sweden. Like, isn't that somebody is as a coach, you sit there and like, okay, this guy gets it. He wants to, he wants to be successful. He's going to do everything he can. Coming to MLS was a disappointment, but probably an important step in his career to test out some professional soccer at an an early age.
2: No, Steven, you're right. That, that is what you want to hear. but, i mean let's let's be real here you know four or five six years ago we had guys like josie Altzer, michael bradley uh jordan morris who you know had an offer in europe and decided well i just got a new puppy sorry i can't i can't go play in germany i gotta stay home in seattle which you know if if that's what you want to do i mean i mean by all means do it that's if, if if he didn't want to leave his comfort zone and, and, and go test the waters over in Europe. I get, you know, whatever, this is America. He can choose whatever he wants but, to do.
1: But our Jake, I think Armand obviously just touched on this, but Romans dual nationality cannot be overlooked in why he wanted to be in Europe more so than say a Jordan Morris. I I, I think players who grew up in America might be a little more comfortable with what they have here. And they look at Europe as a, as a prize. But when you get to Europe, and I, I, Christian Pulisic talked about this, is that every player out there is competing for the same job as you are. In, in In American sports landscape, not every athlete is wanting to be a professional soccer player. In Europe, it would seem a majority of athletes at a young age want to be professional soccer players, professional footballers. Uh, the in,
3: the interesting thing with uh, Gall is I wonder how many people or players would take the risk that he did and go play in like the third division of Sweden, you know, after playing in MLS and not staying in MLS or USL uh, because, hey, look, the third division in Sweden, again, it's not it's not the best. I mean, we've we all we all we all know that. And I feel like a lot more people would have stayed in potentially USL and developed their hope to get an MLS contract at some point because they're comfortable. So I was very impressed to hear uh, that part. And I think you're also right, Stephen, in terms of you know people wanting to come back home. Again, look, if, if I'm a player and I'm not getting PT overseas, hey, why wouldn't I want to develop in MLS? But I think it's a very different situation for Roman because of uh, his dual nationality.
2: Armand, Armand. Let me. I actually think it was better for Gall to go to the third division of Swedish football and try to make a name for himself there, than try to find his way in USL and hope he gets an MLS contract. Because oh, how I many agree. times, how many I times agree. do we see USL players getting uh, MLS deals? None. 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 He was more likely to rise up the ladder in Sweden, playing in the third division, getting playing time and developing, and then he eventually was sold on to, I think it was, what, Sundvall, uh in, in, yeah. in the first division, and then later sold on to uh, Malmo. So I think, without a doubt, he was better off going to Sweden. I, I actually think it would have been more risky for him to stay here in America and try to find a way uh, to MLS via USL.
3: I mean, I, 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 I agree with you in terms of, like, mobility, because it's an open pyramid over there, and you know, if they get promoted, they get promoted. He can move up, or if a team notices them, they can pick him up as well. And like we said, we all we always talk about how USL uh, players aren't really targeted enough by MLS players. And by the way, Aaron Long, who was a USL player, was uh, signed what like a three-year that's worth almost nine hundred thousand dollars a year for one of the richest, making one of the richest center backs in uh, MLS. I just want to throw that out there and say, hey, there's talent out there. Um, but I feel like a lot of players would stay in USL uh, compared to go to, like, the third or fourth division in Sweden because I think it's comfortable. You know, and that's, that's one thing we talk about with uh, American players is, hey, you know, like, I hate to nag on Jordan Morris because he got paid and he played pretty decently for the Sounders. But, look, he said he's more comfortable here with the Sounders than it was for him to go to Werder Bremen. I mean, we see players come back all, all the time to, you know, because it's just more comfortable Here in the United States. So I just feel like a lot more players would just go into the USL and be like, okay, you know, I can work my way up and get a a, a deal there. But I think you're right in terms of, hey, it's probably better for someone to go to a second or third division in Sweden uh, and take that risk. Their ceiling is higher uh, in terms of uh, where you could land.
1: Armand, let me let me ask you this. We got a Twitter response or somebody responded to us asking this question. Where does Gall fit into Perhalter's system with the U.S. men's national team?
3: It's interesting because uh, he was a winger before, but he said in our interview that his coach is training him as an eight. Um, if it's the eight, it's going to be tough for him to break that because you're looking at a midfield rotation of McKinney, Adams, you want Pulisic in the middle, Pulisic in the middle. If not, uh, you could you could go through a list of defensive mids and all that stuff that you know play there. But I mean, your, your two main guys are going to be Kenny and Adams. They have to. Like, if it isn't, then something is really wrong. Um, and we also, you know, we, who knows? You could see Michael Bradley play there. I'm just saying for the Gold Cup. I'm not saying for anything else. Or Will Trap and Kel Nakasta. Uh, so it's really competitive. So I think his best best gonna have to be on the wing. Um, is it, in most of his goals, most of his performances, uh, assists. Uh, we you see if you go through the highlight videos, it have been from the wing. But I mean, because that midfield, that midfield's really congested for the men's national team. So doesn't he, honestly, I think I think a winger is gonna be. Your doesn't best he bet. fit
1: better on the wing if Christian Pulisic gets pulled into the middle? I mean,
3: I'm I'm trying to think of a the U.S. men's national team's death chart right now. It's pretty. It's pretty hard for me. I think, yeah, I think he does. I think it's a better shot at just making it making it at, at the wing. I mean, what um, – I don't think the MLS competition is really there. I mean, January camp, yeah, the MLS players, you know, Jeremy Abubase and Corey Baird are both pretty just good players. But I think Gall could take overtake either of them, and it wouldn't be an issue. Um, so, I mean, I'm interested to see where he'll fit. I mean, you, you do see players you know, play a role for a national team and a role for their club, and I wouldn't be surprised if Gall – uh, you know, was a winger for his national team over, um, you know, playing the eighth Buffers club, especially when you're, again, when you're talking about Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams, two of probably the best Americans right now in Europe.
2: Armand, I think you're definitely right. I think his, his best shot of breaking into the U.S. men's national team side is going to be as a winger. You look at the depth chart there, uh, a little bit thinner on the wings than it would be in the middle of the park. But, that is it for today's episode. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Unc Sam Soccer Pod. Follow Stephen Joderan at Stephen Joderan. Follow Arman Kaffai at Arman Kaffai And myself at Jake Watroba. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Anywhere you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever. Make sure you leave us a five-star review. And make sure you tell your friends, too.
3: Yes.
1: MLS preview uh, show coming up this next episode. So stay tuned for that. And yeah, until next time.
0: The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say, we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade, never stop arriving. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on.